0: one. Hi, how's everybody this morning? They need to make this table lighter. That would make <laughs> our lives a lot easier. Okay. Um, well, thanks, Sean. We are in this series called Wholehearted. It is a um, seven-month-long series, um, It's, and we're asking this question at the end of 2022. What life would look like if you loved knew, and experienced Jesus more than you ever have. And it's based on a scripture in Matthew 22:37. 37. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I know my life would probably be less busy if I loved God more and more. Um, I, it would change how I lived. And I also just want to acknowledge that there's some. there may be some people in this room that walk in and you're like, I don't know if I want that because I don't even know if I know the Lord or want to know the Lord. And here's what I want you to know. that, that What is true is that the Lord is wholeheartedly chasing after you, um, especially if you're in this room. And so I'm really glad that you're here today. So we just talked about family, and now we're diving into a new part of this wholehearted series called Practice. And Jesus modeled how to live our lives. He was the ultimate model of how to live our lives and what our lives were supposed to look like. Um, And so when we come to follow him, our rhythms should change. Our rhythms should look different. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. But before I go into what piece of that I am going to be talking about, I want to set the scene a little bit. Um, We're around a dinner table. It's my family. And it's my mom, dad, my sister Alexa, my sister Sophie, and my brother Grayson, and my two brother-in-laws. And we are either eating a meal or playing cards. Those are often the things that we do as a family. And when we do that, just full disclosure, if we're eating a meal, it is likely out to eat somewhere and not in our home. Sometimes it's in our home, but... um, What inevitably happens when we are sitting at a table together is my sister, Alexa, some of you might know her, here's what you might not know about her, or you may, Alexa has a tendency to say something, and she thinks that it is the funniest thing that has ever been said. (laughs) Do you all have a family member like that? And, And inevitably, because she thinks it's funny, then you think it's funny, right? It's just contagious. Or my sister Sophie, <laughs> my sister Sophie, gosh, you all. She loves to make, okay, she loves to say words like they are straight out of the dictionary and they are not words. Like she is fully convinced that this is a word and it is definitely not. We have never heard of it and we look it up and it, it doesn't exist, okay? She has made it up. She has her own language. Um, I call them, I also call them Sophie's Google facts, right? She just has facts that might or might not be true. Um, But all of these things end in my dad having uncontrollable laughter. I think I have a picture. Yeah, I mean, here's my dad and my sister. My dad, once he gets going, he can't stop. I mean, he is crying. He is... And then, you know what happens when that happens, then we all start dying laughing and we're crying. If we're in a restaurant, people that don't even know us are laughing because they're seeing us laughing, right? It is contagious. And so I get to start this series of wholehearted practice talking about celebration. You all, celebration um, is the way of Christ, He entered the world with jubilation, angels singing, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall come to, if I can talk, all people. (laughs) He left the world saying, those things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He actually began his public ministry declaring the year of jubilee. Side note. This might be too much information. I don't know. But you all, I really want to name my future child Jubilee. Obviously, this is like TBD, marriage, if the husband agrees, right? But um, I love that name. Okay. So Jesus entered his public ministry declaring the year of Jubilee. And um, it's actually a prophecy from Isaiah 61. And Jesus says, The poor receive good news, the captives are released, the blind receive sight, oppressed are liberated. You all, celebration gives strength to life. I read so many articles this week about how laughter can be used as medicine to heal. One actually said, in this era of evidence-based medicine, it would be appropriate for laughter to be used as a complementary alternative medicine in the prevention and treatment of illnesses. Although, further World Design Research, is wondering, yeah, okay. Um, but laughter can be used as medicine. Celebration brings joy, it makes us strong. There are actually physical benefits to celebration. It can improve your immune system, relieve pain. It connects us with other people. I absolutely love that we are starting with joy and celebration because I believe that it is at the heart of every single practice of Jesus. If we have the practices of Jesus without joy and celebration, then we're only checking off a box like the religion of the Pharisees. Y'all, celebration is the culture of heaven, and we actually get to access that here on Earth. How cool is that? Okay, I am done with my rant on celebration. Well, let's look at Scripture. So we are going to be in Second Samuel, chapter six verse. We're going to start in verse three. Now for a little bit of context. Um, Okay, so we're looking at David, and David was a man after God's own heart. He knew how to celebrate. Um, And so we're going to look at a story about him, and it's going to talk about this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant looked like this. Oh, it's crazy how that happens. Okay. Um, It looked like this fancy schmancy box um, that held the tablets of the Ten Commandments commandments that Moses got. And wherever this was, often the people were blessed that were around it. Um, and David wanted that blessing. He wanted, okay, sorry, more context, that it was not in Jerusalem at this time. So it had traveled around, and um, so David wants it back in Jerusalem. He's going to get it says, they set the ark of God on a new cart, on a cool new cart. It's like the Tesla of ark transportation, okay? Here we, here's what we got. And brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah, I looked up how to say his name this week. There were like five different versions. I'm saying Uzzah. And Ohio, you all, okay, another side note. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the side notes. Why has no one named their child this? Bible name and we live in Ohio. Like, doesn't that feel like it should be something? Okay, okay, anyways. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Amidadab, were guiding the new, new, cool, new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor, I think it's funny because, this. just side note, they, like, said it was on a hill. The threshing floor would have been flat. Floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the Ark. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called perez Uzzah. I actually think that means, like, Anger. Again, I don't remember. It means something funny. Anyways, I probably shouldn't have said that. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) So anyways, um, you all, here's what we need to know from this. Here's what we can learn from this. God had actually instructed them on how to carry the ark. They were to use poles and men were to carry it. But they thought they had a cool new way, right? A better way than what God's way was. And so they did it their way instead of God's way. We also don't see repentance here. We don't see any sort of repentance. We do see David being angry. But here's what we can learn from this first attempt on the ark. okay, Lack of obedience plus a lack of repentance equals a lack of celebration. The celebration here was very short-lived because it ended in death. Let's look at attempt number two. David didn't give up. He kept going. We're going to jump to verse 12. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. David wanted that blessing. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were, what were they doing? carrying, there we go, the ark of the Lord, they realized that first attempt, their way wasn't going to work. Okay, now they're doing it God's way. Had t- um, those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. So here we also see repentance So we don't repent by killing animals anymore, thank goodness, okay? Because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. But in that day, this was their form of repentance. Something had to die so that they could live. And we don't even know if they're doing anything wrong, but just in case they are, they are repenting, okay? It goes on to say, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Okay, attempt number one, not so good. Attempt number two, here we see obedience. We see consistent repentance, which gave us celebration. I don't know about you all, but I I have been in seasons where I am walking in blatant disobedience to the Lord. And that brought on a spirit of anxiety and hiding, and that did not bring celebration for me. I don't know about you all. When I finally turned away from that, when I finally walked in a spirit of repentance and turned to God, I found freedom. I didn't have to hide anymore. I could be free. I could celebrate as, I, as God intended. And I could do it freely because I didn't have to hide. And that brought out, or that took away anxiety for that reason. I know they're anxiety for other reasons. Okay, so celebration is the culture of heaven, and we get access to that here on earth, but also celebration can sometimes be complicated. It goes on to say in verse 16, "...as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window." And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. (laughs) Yikes. So I um, lived in Haiti for a while. And for almost five years, I lived with one of my good friends named Tara. And Tara and I could not have been more different. Um, And I had to learn something from Tara the hard way. And it was Tara's birthday and I threw her a big surprise party. I was so excited about it. You all, because I mean, I, I would take a surprise party for no reason. Like that is my jam, okay? Tara, on the other hand, almost didn't show up. Like she found out, it, was, it ended up not being a surprise, she found out and she didn't wanna come, okay? That was my like first encounter with this idea that people celebrate differently. I was also challenged this week because um, I had a friend and I was, we were talking about celebration and, you know, I'm like dancing, shouting, yeah. And um, this friend challenged me saying, like, sometimes just sitting and taking in the goodness of the Lord is my form of celebration. And I love that. And, I, you know, I also encountered this on Easter Sunday. Um, if you were here Easter Sunday, it was a party. <laughs> so, um... As we can tell, I love to dance and, you know, okay. So I was like dancing and going around and there were ribbons and I'm running the aisles trying to give people ribbons. And there are some people that are like, give me one, I wanna dance, right? And then there were others that were like, don't make eye contact, just don't make eye contact, just don't make eye contact. I even had a couple of these like the, like I made eye contact and they are like, don't do it. So we know that there are different forms of celebration. And here's what I want to ask you. How do we be a church that allows and encourages both? How do we not look at the people up front dancing and and singing and shouting and not think, like, it's just for attention, right? How do we look at the person that's sitting and basking in the goodness of the Lord and understand that they are feeling the same thing that you are feeling and experiencing by dancing? How do we hold both in our church, without judgment. Without judgment. All right. It goes on to say, this is another, I'm going to go into another way. Celebration can be complicated. It goes on to say, when David returned home to bless his household, Michelle, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. She's being sarcastic going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Mishael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from my house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. Boom. Um, I will celebrate before the Lord. Some In some versions say, I will dance before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michelle, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Gosh, okay. So, here's what, so how do we be a church that doesn't judge people's different forms of celebration? Um, And I'm going to ask that question in a different way. Oftentimes, there are components of celebration that can bring up judgment and sin. So a few of those things are um, dancing can be one of them. Food can be really hard. Alcohol can be a part of celebration. And here's what I want us to know. Jesus modeled a healthy relationship with all of these. Jesus ate food. He drank wine. He even made wine. And he likely danced. He was at weddings. Actually, if, you've, if you haven't if you have watched The Chosen, they do a great job of, of showing this, Jesus celebrating. But here's what's also true. So we have freedom. We have freedom in these areas, but here's what's also true. it's We live in a broken world. We have freedom, but we must look at these things through the lens of obedience and repentance. Um, I listened to a sermon by Eric Mason, Dr. Eric Mason, this week, and it's, in a sermon series called Christian Liberties. And he said this, God created all and gave freedom for use and not misuse. Here's the other thing, celebration in our after Christ lives, our AC lives, should look different than celebration in our B be before Christ lives. Um, just like one um, example that I can think of is, when I lived in Haiti, voodoo was a really big thing. Um, And within the voodoo religion, there are um, dances and celebrations that people do within that. But there are, like, certain dances that are a part of that. Someone who is walking in that and then leaves that for, to follow the Lord. That type of dancing in their after, that type of dancing in their after Christ lives probably... Is not gonna be they're not gonna be able to partake in that type of dancing because it's gonna bring them back to their lives before Christ. Does that make sense? It has a different meaning. But here's the other thing: is somebody else can dance that way, not having that background, and that is completely fine for them. And so here we see David dancing with all his might. To Michelle, it looked inappropriate, but to David, it was just dancing before the Lord. Right? All of these things. I'm actually going to read it because I feel like I need to. Um, You all, addiction is real. Sometimes components of celebration can be outlets for sin or bringing up feelings or reminders from our lives before Christ or reminders for the people around us. There are clear guide rails in the Bible, but there is also a gray area where we need to lean into the Lord because obedience is going to look different for everyone. So, How do we walk in obedience in our own walks, repent when we mess up, and honor the walks of others in different forms of celebrations because obedience is going to look different for everyone? So I think it's the same, right? There are some things that we can do that others can't. How do we honor them? And there are some things that others can do and we can't. And that's all because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world where things just aren't as easy. And so, okay, Tim Keller, he did a sermon series called War Between Yourselves. And in this sermon series, he talks about the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And if you haven't read the book, it's a man who has two different sides to him. One is good, one is evil and he struggles between these two sides of himself and tim keller compares that to our christian lives how we are constantly struggling between good and evil in our lives we feel a tension do you all feel a tension in your heart sometimes between good and evil right we feel that especially with this if we struggle with addiction and a, and it have an addictive personality like You feel a tension. We feel a tension in this world between good and evil. And here's the hope that he talks about in this message. The hope is that when we come to know Jesus, we know which side will win. There is no doubt about what side will win. We know that because we know the end of the story. Because we know that Jesus came and died for our sins And eventually, all will be good. We can trust that the good in us will win. So let's go back to Jesus for a minute. Um, Jesus sought out celebration for all and with all people when he was here on this earth. And specifically, there's a moment where he's talking to Um, the sinners, and they actually call them the tax collectors and sinners, it's like part of their identity, and the Pharisees, who are um, the religious, um, check boxes, working out of their own power. And he tells them three different stories. And the first one is the story of the lost sheep that we see in Luke 15, um, verses 6 through 7. And in this story, there's a shepherd, and the shepherd has a hundred sheep, one goes astray, the shepherd leaves the ninety-nine to go seek out the one. And when he finds it, this is what scripture says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together, we just talked about this, community, right? And says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He's talking to two different people here, right? Then he goes on to talk about the, the story of the lost coin. A woman has lost a coin and she is searching all over for it and she finds it. And it says, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. Family, right? We do this together. And says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then we go to the story of the lost son. So here we have a younger brother and an older brother. A lot of us have heard this story. And the younger brother leaves, takes his inheritance... Um, squanders it in crazy living, right? His, this is his BC life, okay? He's living it up. And he, all of a sudden, is in a, eating out of a pig trough, which if you've seen a pig trough, oh, like it would take a lot to eat out of that, yeah. Um, and he realizes life with my father is better than any of this. And so he got up and he went to his father, I love this part. But while he was still a long way off his off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son." We see him repenting, turning to his father. But the father said to his servants, "Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Some of you here need to know that Jesus is seeking you out. He is waiting on the porch for you to come and turn to him and come home. And there is... A party waiting for you. There is a party waiting for you. Then we also have the older brother. <laughs> it says, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. There is grace for everyone. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brothers of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Others of us, we know Jesus, but our walk has become this routine checklist, and we need to be reminded of the grace that we have been given. Whew. If celebration, you all, does not come from this gift, hearing about this gift of God, then something, something's missing. Either we don't recognize the grace that we've been given, or we don't even realize we need it. Because Christ died for your sin, you have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And that is only because of Christ. It is only because of what he did. When God sees you, he sees a clean slate. Your debt has been paid. There is a reason to celebrate. There is a reason to celebrate. You all, there are parties going on in heaven. Are you going to be a part of it? There's also parties here that we get to partake in too. So, Zeke Oliayi, our resident prophet, he's in kids, okay? We might as well just compare him to Tim Keller at this point, okay? Um, we've talked about him twice, I think, in this series, but if you haven't met Zeke, you need to meet Zeke. He is the coolest kid, um, and I love this. So, when you ask Zeke, I don't know if he still does this, but try it if you see him. Um, if you ask Zeke how he's doing, often he'll answer like this. And I love it so much, because here's, here's another thing that's true. I'm really good at this, I'm not good at this. Some of us in this room are really good at this, mourning, but we're not good at this, celebrating. But we live in a world of both. We li- live in a world of both celebration and mourning. When I um, taught in Haiti, so I was a teacher in Haiti, I taught middle school, and um, I was there for the school year, would come home for the summer, Um, and this specific year, I went back for the summer, because my sister was living there. I went to go visit her, and she was living in the same area that I taught in, and so I got to go and be with my students, not as their teacher, which if you're a teacher, I don't know why that's different, but it felt different. Um, I got to just really enjoy time with them. And two of my students, Fedlene and Afanya, their mom had just died suddenly. It was, I went to their house, and it was a spirit of mourning. And so the girls came with me, and we, we also brought our, one of their friends, Vladimir, who was another student of mine, and we rode on mopeds to the park. And when you think of park, don't think of park like here. It was like, it was um, just green grass um, with a soccer field and a few things scattered about um, that we're always surprised by, like an exercise bike or something will be there. It's kind of fun. You just never know. Um... And so we go to the park and there is this moment, and I think Chris has mentioned this before, but there there are these moments where there's thin places, this idea of thin places where the the barrier between heaven and earth is so thin that you can just feel it. And this was a thin place for me because we had just left a spirit of mourning, right? Right? And then I'm sitting on a bench watching Fedley and Afanya and Vladimir play soccer and have all the joy in the world. And it was a moment for me where it was this and it became this. And we can only have this because of Jesus. Jesus tore the curtain. He let heaven in. And so we get to have moments of this. And here's the cool thing, you all. When we come to know Jesus, this is our lives. Okay, I'd prefer this. We will have this, (laughs) okay? We will have this one day, but we will never have this. We will never have this. When we come to know Jesus, we mourn differently. Because our mourning, we know the end of the story in our mourning. And that allows us to mourn differently. You all, we live in a world of death, cancer, anxiety, unfulfilled desires, mass shootings, hate crimes, drug addiction, homelessness, infertility, kids going hungry. Gosh, we still live in a world of COVID. Like, how is that, how is that a thing, right? But we also live in a world This is what is also true. We also live in a world of uncontrollable laughter. Relationships being restored, babies being bored, specifically one we've waited for for so, so long. The sick being healed, addicts being set free, organizations fighting for racial healing and social justice. We live in a a world of dance parties and also... A quietly taking in of the Lord, right? (laughs) We live in a world where the blind receive sight, but mainly we in a live in a world where every day people are coming to know the hope they have. People are learning what can be the end of their story. And that is something to celebrate. There are two sides in this world, and we can celebrate because we know which side wins. Y'all, what a party heaven will be. But I don't want to wait till we get there. Let's celebrate here and now. Amen.